Hey everyone, this is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast. I'll skip a couple of the commercials. I got a little special series I'm on a release. I've been threatening to do it and I've been encouraged to do it. And I would encourage you to do it too. You don't have to have this fancy podcasting equipment to do it. uh, I sat down with my dad, uh, I think now, let's see, two, four, about seven hours or so of uh, recording whatever he wants to talk about. I kind of geared him to telling me about his from, uh, well, I'll just lay it out this way. I think I'm going to put it out in three podcasts. Uh, First one will be someplace around from when far back as he can remember to uh, we ended sometime in high school kind of area and then uh the next time we sat down we went from when he was in high school to up to when he met my mom and i think he was someplace around uh well he was 30 when he got married so up into there i got a frog in my throat and i stopped to not talk on the microphone until it went away and i thought it was gone and now it's back uh and then the last part was from when he met mom to uh we just started talking about things that towards the end uh, i really would have liked to guided it towards a little bit more of him but he tended to uh to to wander in memories and that's okay too uh so uh, i'm gonna put that out like i said probably in three pieces uh i would encourage you to do do the same with your parents uh you can sit down and do it with an iphone or a or android whatever you got and uh, if you want to get fancy, you can buy some $20 microphone and hook them up to them. Um, but uh, I record now and again just on my iPhone, and you guys don't know the difference. I don't think you do. Anyway, um, we might repeat some stuff here and there because we did it over a course of about six months. I looked, I started these recordings in January, and I can't believe it's already August. Oops, that's not six months. That's like eight months. Uh, and I had a big lag between the two first two sessions and the last one. Uh, I fell for the old thing of uh, alcoholics having a lot of startup, not much follow through. Uh, there were some conditions, some things that happened. Uh, Dad's hearing aids went out in that in that time frame too, and there'd been no way to sit here and communicate with him if uh, he didn't have working hearing aids. And uh, so that that caused some of that delay and then just life got in the way, too. So uh, I'm just glad that I got it and I may sit down uh, and talk to him some more because he's just got a lot of stories. I tried to remember to get him to I tried to milk some of them out of him. And one of the funny things was, is that, you know, he knew I already knew the story and trying to get him to tell it like he was telling it for the first time was a little bit of a challenge. But we did it. And. I don't know if I'm, I probably won't release them all at once. Uh, it's probably going to be a series and then I'll have somebody else come in and tell their story like normal and, uh, and then, and maybe use these as fillers when I don't have uh, another guest, but I won't, I won't, I won't pay it out too long. I promise. Uh, thank you people who have encouraged me to do it. It was on my, uh, commitment list when we had to retreat in May that I was going to sit down and get this last session recorded somehow or another and uh, what it only took me three more months after that I really appreciate him Um, I was as I say uh, I really hit the jackpot in the dad department Uh, I'm the man I am today as a result of him Uh, I sure can't throw my alcoholism at at him either Um, it's not his doing he's been a 
better than a great father and uh, has taught me more about, well, frankly, he modeled everything there is good to be about a man. Kind, caring, strong, uh, protective, uh, really modeled what it meant to uh, love your wife and uh, love your children and your grandchildren. And uh, you probably can't find anybody that would have a bad word to say about my dad. Uh, so I'll cut cut the, to the chase and uh, we'll get her going. Uh, feel like I should say some kind of closing statement, but I'm not going to. Uh, my dad's name is Tim Reeves and uh, here it goes. All right, I've hit it. It said go. So, were you born on the house in Beeler Street? Is that where? No, I was born in St. Edward's Hospital, 7th and Spring Street. Okay, but while did your mom and dad lived on Yeah, we Beeler? lived at Beeler Street. Okay. Marilyn was born in, in the house there on Beeler Street. Oh, really? Uh-huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know about Sue and Bernie. But my birth certificate says St. Edward's Hospital. I wonder if most people were born in a hospital back then or if most people were born... No, I think the biggest number of them was born in... in at home. At home. Uh, I think I can remember when the mom or dad coming in and telling me, well, you got a new little sister. Oh, really? Yeah, so I'd have been three. That's about, my memories when I think back, that's about as far back as I can remember. Yeah. When we moved here. Yeah. But I do have some memories from, from Knob View. Brookwood? Uh, or from Knob View. Knob View. But I almost can't, like, reconcile that, that I can... Yeah. Uh, uh, I can't, I can remember... Uh, World War II going on and a family conversation about it. And Deb was too old and had too many kids to get drafted. Uh-huh. So but he was a air raid warden on the block. Yeah. Our street was two blocks long, went from Vincennes Street to Thomas Street. And our house was... Uh, if 18th Street would have come through, it would have been between our house and our next door neighbor. <clears throat> what did that? What air raid chief? Huh? What you what you call it? Air raid. Air raid warden. Warden. Yeah, the government issued him a helmet and one of them flashlights with a 90 degree head on it and a fire extinguisher <clears throat> and a badge. And seemed like, I don't know, maybe once a month, there'd be an air raid drill. Drill. And he would walk up the street, and if anybody had a light on, he'd bang on the door and say, turn the light out, or I'm going to write you a citation. And, uh-huh. and he'd go all the way around and come back. And, uh, I had no idea. I don't know how long... Our wise or how that was, but it was after dark uh, in the evening, and they'd have an air raid war, uh, and it you could hear the siren like a 
kind of like a tornado sour. Yep. And after he'd suit up and go around and tell everybody, turn the light out. Was it, you think that was that a paying job? No, I no? don't think so. Volunteer. Yeah. I, you know, a lot of stuff World War II was just plain volunteering. Uh, that's what would I think would be a hindrance us nowadays if we got into an honest to God big war. How many people would say, uh, I'm, I'll do that? Right. Yeah. Well, that's the generation they called the greatest generation, right? Yeah. I can all... remember when the war was over because the newsboys used to stand on a corner with an extra edition of newspaper and holler extra, extra, read all about it. And, you know, when uh, there was, I don't know, a victory day for Germany, I guess, and Mm. then the last one would have been victory for Japan when they dropped the atom bomb. And I, I can remember all that pretty good, but then I was... Eight right. years old then. So, uh, well, what else you remember from living on Beeler Street? Well, or when they moved? Uh, I was told once, and I don't that there was like a hundred and eighteen kids lived on that two lot two block. Oh, really? Street, yeah. Seemed like everybody had three or four brothers or sisters. Yeah. And there's a lot of kids, and I know that was a, a thorn under Donna's salad or saddle. Would say uh, we'd be out someplace, and somebody'd say, "Where'd you grow up, Tim?" And I'd say, "On Beeler Street." Well, so did I. And Donna, Donna always said, "God darn, everybody live on Beeler Street." Yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of kids on. I can name a bunch of them. I bet I could name. 50 kids really uh, that lived on Beeler Street uh, and a lot of families uh, well it's the parking lot for the football field now or parking lot for the high school yeah what what year did you all leave there I think we uh, I'm pretty sure we moved away from there in 47 so you'd have been 10. It'd been or might someplace have been, around your tenth. Yeah, year. might have been forty six, but I think it was forty seven. So just for uh, the listeners, it was born in thirty seven. So yeah. that's uh Do you remember moving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember we bought that house. It was a big deal. Bought that place, and and it was in the country, and it was one of those things that, uh, your your buddies would be. Uh, uh, jab you about how you moving to the country, uh, <laughs> and then uh, you know we walked to school a lot. They're down to Seventh and Marcus Street. Of course, it was a straight shot. There was a bridge was across Silver Creek back then. Seventh you, and Market was where the school was at. Yeah, school was at Seventh and Market. What was it called? Huh? What was the school called? Uh, Holy Trinity. Okay. It burned down oh, around 1970, I think. The church did. Yep. Clo- when the church burned down, they closed the school. Uh, did you, walk, was back did you then, also w- walk there from Beeler and McCullough Pike? 
Yeah, well, we, you know, I remember catching a streetcar. You could go down to Vincent Street, there by the, over the intersection where yep. the high school yep. is, and catch a streetcar. And it seemed like it stopped at Seventh uh, and Spring Street, I think. And you'd have to walk the rest of the way? So we walked a block from there. But I remember riding a streetcar when I was a kid. Was any part of the high school there? Or is all that brand new? Uh, no, uh, this high school was there. There was a high school there. Yeah. But when they yeah, annexed all you all, it just all was the an expansion. Place, uh, the high school that's closest to Vincent Street, it goes back to then. Hmm. They've chopped some holes in it and made yeah. in different entrances. But yeah. And there's a swimming pool in that end now, I think. Uh, well, no, no that's where the end is. That's the other yeah. end. It's a basketball, yeah. the basketball stadium's up right. against Vincent Street. Right in the corner. Oh. Uh, where the swimming pool is was Cora Martin grade school. Oh, really? When when I was a kid. But you all went, could have yeah. went there, but you could've all went, went to Catholic. Yeah. If we didn't go to Holy Trinity, we'd have gone. I don't know. Well, they closed Cora Martin sometime probably when I was in a, a second or third grade, sometime like mm. that. And then the kids that went to Core Martin went to Silver Street. And that's where everybody on our street went to Silver Street. Went to Silver Street. Yeah. And they all walked. Yeah. Uh, uh, the that only would be, you know, that, that's not much of a walk for anybody. Yeah, to Silver Street? Yeah. No. Uh-uh. From there. But uh, the only school buses you saw was the kids that come from Floyd Knobs. Hmm. Because there were very few schools out there. You yeah, know, there's school, uh, wasn't any high schools out there. So kids that went to high school, they caught a school bus and come. See, so you didn't get to know any of the kids out Floyd Knobs unless you had classes with them. Because hmm. they got off the bus in time to come in and go to class. And they left the classroom and went and caught the bus. They didn't hang around talking or eating ice cream or any of that. Yeah. Well, that, uh, so uh, a lot of guys, uh, like Bill Beach was in my class, and we was in machine shop together. We went to Providence together, and we both come to New Albany at the same time. And, but I'd see Bill Beach in machine shop, never see him again before or after school. You know, he'd get on a bus, and he lived way out towards Greenville. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't go to basketball games, you know, where most of the kids would, uh, my age would walk down, go to the basketball game. Uh, at, uh, unless they was on the basketball team, they you didn't see any of the country kids. Hmm. And that really, I mean, <clears throat> you were talking about the house you all bought and moved to being in the country. Yeah. That ain't country at all compared to all No, not to them guys, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, well, we wasn't that, you know, we used to bicycle riding distance to, I'd go to Jeffersonville. I knew an awful lot of kids in Jeff and ride bike down here, ride bike to the swimming pool. Yeah. Uh, you know, you bicycle get you a lot of places. <laughs> yeah, I went a long way. Uh, that's not, that doesn't happen anymore, I don't no, think. No, I don't think so but either. When I was a kid, we still rode our bikes a long dang ways. 
you don't see kids riding bicycle anymore. Yeah. You see professional adults. bike riders. Yep, yep. it's a, adults uh, riding bikes. Uh, that's one of those things. You, you just rode the bike if you was going someplace and beat the devil out of walking. walking yeah. Uh, and when we moved up there, uh, it was kind of uh, there wasn't any kids next door to us. There was a girl lived uh, moved into that brick house on the corner. Mm-hmm. There was a girl moved into there after we had lived up there three or four years. What do you mean a girl? Uh, like a, a woman? Uh, no, I mean a, a girl family, our age. A family yeah, she was and a had a girl who was your age? Younger than me and older than Marilyn. Hmm. Uh, What's Marilyn? I was closer to Marilyn. I really didn't know Burley. Yeah, you know, ten, him ten being, years difference is a big difference. Yeah, they're gone. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember him being around home. I don't remember him being around. You know, Christmas time. Was he actually born in twenty seven or what year is his birthday? Twenty nine, I think. Your, your older brother. That's so. It's really just eight years. Difference. Eight years is a big. Yeah, it is a big difference. Big difference, and of course, uh, and in soon, eight years difference. Uh, uh, somebody my age to him was just pain in the butt. Yeah, you know, yeah. Get out of the way. Uh, and then your sister, older sister Sue, is she three years older than two. you? Two years older than yeah. you. And then Marilyn was three years younger yeah. than you. Yeah. But somehow, I was always closer to Marilyn. Marilyn and I had been buddies, you know, forever. Yeah. Uh, I did a lot with Sue and... Uh, when she was going to college, I give her a car I had that I didn't want anymore. Oh, she really? drove to IU. Uh, a car you had you just didn't want anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, good at. I just. Uh, I didn't have a whole lot of cars, but I was constantly getting out of one and into another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we moved up there, 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 there wasn't any kids next door, and of course there wasn't no across the road, and people lived on uh, down the road. There wasn't any kids all the way down to Silver Creek. What was across the road? Was it woods or field farm? When we moved here, it was a lake. Oh yeah, I think uh, I remember hearing that. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's what they called the ice pond. And they used to cut ice off of it and stack it in. There's a bunch of little houses as big as this room. And they'd pile that ice in, in there. And deliver but it to people? When Right after we bought moved up there, there's a family named Marcuselli, um, actual Italians, mm. that moved here from Italy. Mm. And they bought a liquor store on the corner of 2nd and... Second Jefferson in Louisville. In Louisville. Neither one of them drove. Uh, one of them had been married and had a daughter that was probably 20 years older than me. And they bought that. Uh, I doubt if you can remember. Remember the old brick house that was down across the road there on Emory Lane? Like towards Silver Street, towards the creek? Yeah. No. Uh, it had been a nightclub. Yeah. It was a light of Venice. And that when they bought the light of Venice and moved into it, 
that got that ice pond and all the way up to where that by county transfer dump place was yeah was all theirs and uh first thing they did was drain that lake hmm. it wasn't very deep probably like this yeah everywhere three foot four foot yeah deep. they drained that lake and they had aspirations of um cutting peat moss oh yeah out of it you don't go into peat moss business huh. hell nobody knew what peat moss was <laughs> they were the people that uh got mom started growing and cooking zucchinis oh really yeah they gave uh, they'd come and visit and they couldn't hardly speak English and they asked her if uh, uh, would you like to have some zucchinis and mom didn't have any idea what they were and she said well yeah so the next thing you know they come up for the bunch of them big zucchinis and she said well what do you do with them so they told her so you know the cook them like vegetables or make bread or make cake or whatever you want to. You can do anything with a zucchini. Yeah. So mom kept seeds out of them and then them things grew like crazy. Yeah. Uh, up there. About the only thing that grew worth the dirt up there was zucchinis. But they'd grow and then of course mom and dad let them grow until they got way too big. Yeah. But we ate a lot of zucchinis. Did they always keep a garden where I remember the garden being? Is that? Hmm? Well, I remember where their garden was. Yeah, yeah. They started out with a little garden and then you know grew and grew and kept getting a little bigger at all the time. And Grandma's house, you all bought the house was already there. Yeah. What about the garage? Uh, there was a two car garage there. Like where they yeah. had their two cars, right and the garage is now. the shop was built on the back yeah. side of that. Yeah, I built a shop on the back. Oh, did you? Yeah, and then it burned down. I built it back with concrete blocks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> how'd it burn down? Uh, Dad had made a one of them wood stoves out of a barrel. Yeah, and uh, I suspect it burned through and uh, caught. Sawdust and stuff yeah. on the floor burned it up pretty good. It was always well water up there, right? Yeah. I remember being a little guy one time back in that back corner of the house there helping you drill a new one. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. the only one I Well, we remember. had one right under the stairs, uh, and that's where the pump was. The stairs went down the basement. Yeah. And... Uh, We'd have to pull it up once in a while. The well point would get clogged up with calcium lime. You'd pull it up and uh, get it cleaned out where it could suck. And when we did that, had to take a couple of the stair treads out and pull it up in there and take it apart in sections. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know if we did that a half a dozen times, we went out in that corner and dug... Doug, it didn't take it. It took a one length of pipe, which is 21 foot, mm. and a well point. Hmm. Well points are usually 30 inches. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we got an auger around here someplace. Yep. We've tried uh, to drill it farther. We drill that hole, you know, hand drill that hole yep. in the ground, drive a pipe in it, hook a pump to it, and you have water. Yeah. 
we probably had four or five wells on upper. Yeah, there was one out by the garden. Yeah. And, well, there's uh, one there we had electric pump on. Right, yeah. And there's one back when you wouldn't remember the the barn, but there was a barn back at the end of the garden back there. Mm. And there was a there was a well in the barn. Uh it's real easy to get water. Uh there's one right over there by Grandpa's garage, your know, next door. Yeah. As well. It a, and it was good water. Uh Mom would take it someplace, have it tested. I don't remember where it was, but that's one of the things that usually once a year, middle of summer, she'd take it someplace, have it tested. Huh. But then uh, the Grances moved in a couple years after we did, and the house closest to the next to us across the driveway. Yeah, the big white house. Yeah, Ronnie, uh, Rosie, and. Ronnie and Bobby and Sonny. Hmm. And Ronnie was a year older than me, and I think Rosie was a year younger than Marilyn. Hmm. I remember right. Uh, uh, Mrs. Grants had something kind of like Sue. Uh, when they moved there, she could walk a little bit with a walker. And before long, she was in a wheelchair. Hmm. She's a wheel, in a wheelchair forever. Pretty much the same kind of stuff that Sue goes through. Yeah. But then when I got to riding a bike, when you'd spread out and do some uh, experimenting around, see who lived here, who lived where. Yeah. And that's where uh, uh, Buddy Cook lived over on Amory Lane. There where you go through the flood wall and turn left. He lived a couple of doors down this from the highway there. There was a roller rink there on the corner where the welding supply stuff is. Oh, yeah? There was a roller rink there when we first yeah. moved up. And uh, Spring where, Street didn't go through there. The hmm? Brown Station Way wasn't. Yeah, Brown Station was Brown Station. Yeah, but it wasn't what it is today up no, there. Uh, no. Uh, the railroad tracks still went through Brown Station when we moved up there. It went across Silver Creek just downstream a little bit from the Spring Street Bridge, probably right under the new bridge. Hmm. It went across there and it went up and you remember where Clem lived up there on Lakeview? Yep. That's what that grass plaque down through there between Lakeview Drive and what used to be uh, North Clark is now Lincoln mm-hmm. Drive, I think, now. Yeah. But that grass plant up there, yeah. that's the railroad tracks went up through there. Oh, really? Went to Jeff and Louisville and then went to Indianapolis. How did uh, the Italian guys get back and forth to work and didn't drive? Uh, they had a taxi cab come pick them up. Oh, really? Yeah. That'd get expensive, it seems. <laughs> yeah, they did that. Every day you'd see one go you know, early, like 9 o'clock in the morning. There goes the cab. And in the evening, the cab would come bring one back, take one over. And what, uh, to get over there, there'd been the Clark Bridge and the K&I Bridge? Yeah. And that'd be all? Yeah. I don't. Uh, the Clark Bridge, I think, opened up in 29 or sometime like that. Hmm. I can remember when it had a toll gate on it. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. 
Yeah. Uh, and uh, K&I was always a toll gate. Oh, really? I think it cost a dime to go across K&I. Huh. I don't know what it cost to go across Clarkbridge. But the bus went across. If you wanted to go to Louisville, you know, downtown Louisville, you caught the home transit bus and went across K&I, and it dumped you out on Jefferson between 3rd and 4th Street, I guess. Hmm. That's where the car barn might have been between 2nd and 3rd, but there's a car barn there where it pulled in, and you walk and do your shopping. And I remember doing that. Car barn. From Beeler Street. Walking over there? To catching a bus. Oh, catching a bus. Mm-hmm. There was a guy uh, moved on the street, and he didn't live here a long time. His name was Melvin Kohler, and he had an older brother that raced midget racers. Hmm. And Melvin was a year older than me, and he was, you know, eat up with midget racing that's all he talked about and I remember uh, you know that little white racer I got Yeah. he and I went to Fisher's Hobby Shop I think it was hmm. in Louisville it was upstairs uh, where they sold model airplanes and model cars and all that stuff and he and I went over there once and <coughs> we each bought that uh, I think it's a Thunder Drone, that car. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, they're collector's <laughs> items. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, we didn't have much toys. Uh, that little yellow international truck, uh, I got for Christmas one time. And if I remember right, somebody Deb worked for or with or something worked for International Harvester and they got it from them. Huh. But uh, toys are pretty scarce around when we were kids. Yeah. We had bikes. That's not really a toy. That's transportation. Yeah. And the bikes were, you know, you got them for Christmas but they were well worn <laughs> when you got them. Yeah. You didn't get a new bike. Uh, yeah. New to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, Toys are almost time fillers, you know. Yeah. Uh, probably plenty of other things to be doing than yeah. sitting well, around playing with toys. Yeah, I never did. When we lived on Beeler Street, up where the football field is right now, yeah, was a thing called the Dust Bowl. I've heard I, that. And I don't know what it was, but somebody... We called it the Dust Bowl when yeah, I was in junior high they school. They had uh, dug dirt out to take someplace to build something and they'd taken like this much dirt out of that field yeah three or four feet and we played uh ball up there and i was too young you know i they would pick me because i was standing around you know when i got down to play baseball yeah okay you know you you'd be on eddie's team yeah uh how much older were they Oh, uh, five, six years, really? Yeah. 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 I know uh, I used to see one of the guys uh, that was part of that bunch uh, down at Vicks every morning there 10 years ago. Huh. He remembered 
I had a dog named Tony, just a brown yard dog, had a little white on his chest, and mom, and he had had a collar, and mom would put a note under her collar and tell him, go get Tim, and he'd go up to us, Tim, to the dust bowl, and uh, come over to me, and I'd see the note in there that said, get home. <laughs> That guy remembered that. He said, uh, that's the smartest dog I <laughs> How long did you have? What, did, you just, did you just end up with a dog, or was it on purpose? Uh, I, yeah, I think it just came. Just all of a sudden you had a dog. Yeah. It came and it and didn't go we away. We took him to, he moved with us. Yeah. To uh, McCullough Pike. McCullough Pike. But he got run over by a dump truck hmm. uh, down in front of the house. Dang. Uh and then Tony was gone. We was without a dog for a couple months. And next thing you know, we had a Skippy <laughs> and another dog. It just wandered in. You fed him, and he stayed there. Yeah. Now, I don't remember what happened to Skippy, but we had just a rotation of dogs. About the time they'd get old and begin to be a little crepid, something had happened to them. And another would show up, take his spot. Huh. But when Sue grew up, when she got out of high school, she wanted to go to college. And Dad just said, matter-of-factly, girls don't go to college. That's a waste of money. (laughs) Uh, And I'm not going to pay for you to go to college. You go to work. So she went to work over Bell South, over in Louisville. Yeah. I think it's on... I think it was on Chestnut, big telephone office. And she worked over there three or four years and saved her money and went up to IU and went through IU. And I'll put myself through college. Yeah, and then she did teach a while. She taught out, started Perpetual Help a while and taught at Starlight a while. Yeah, I don't remember Marilyn or Sue ever working myself. Uh, of course, you know they had kids. Marilyn worked for uh, uh, Marilyn worked for a food broker before she was married. Pickerel mm-hmm. uh, and Craig over in Louisville, hmm. and they sold stuff to grocery stores. She worked for them. She worked for them quite a while, actually. Yeah. And she went through beauty college to be a hairdresser. Oh, really? She never did. Never did do it. Uh, I think she got married. Marilyn, I don't know what year they got married, tell you the truth. They were married three or four years before I was. Mm-hmm. That'd be... Uh, and well, Marilyn, she never worked, I don't think, after they got married. Yeah. Uh, that's another thing that don't happen too much anymore. Right, I yeah. Mean, Stayed home. Uh, Tony uh, Tony kids. was a unusual guy, boy. He worked his, you know, he got out of college and went to work over at Brown Waveson, and he just went like this. Climbed the ladder. Uh, he signed every check it come out of British American Tobacco Company. Huh. He was uh, he was a controller. Oh yeah, yeah. He had a big job. Made a ton of money. But the kids, that's how I met Clem. 
was bicycle riding. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, was there ask was a dog track friends. up there where Walgreens up in Clarksville. The one like where the Kroger and uh, yeah, where Eastern Boulevard comes yeah. into Lewis and Clark. Yeah, there's a dog racing track there when we lived up there, and they closed it just about the time we moved up there. I think it might close during during the war, mm-hmm. but but it's still standing, grandstands and all that, and everybody played war back then. You you yeah. Was shooting uh, Germans everywhere. <laughs> you know, we used to play war, and that's where I met Clem because they moved there in Lincoln Heights probably in 48 or 49. Clem's quite a bit younger than I am, but he always run around with me and Buddy. Buddy Cook was a year, just about a year younger than me, not quite a year. And I met him over there at that skating rink. Where was that? Huh? Where was the skating rink? Uh, there on Emory Lane. Okay. The Emory Lane yep. Highway. Yep. And uh, and he just lived two or three doors down the street there. And he had a car. He had a, I think it was a Model A. Hmm. Uh, and we'd go down there and take spark plugs out of it, put it back on, put different kind of wheels on it and that kind of thing. How old do you think you were? How were Probably you guys? Probably 14 or so. And you couldn't, could you drive? No. You could, still couldn't uh, drive. Uh-uh. Has it always been 16 driving age? As far as I know. Huh. Yeah. Uh, Probably drove it anyway. Huh? Probably drove yeah, it anyway. Yeah, we drove it around over there, you know, on that road. Yeah. Uh, his backyard had the flood wall in the backyard. You could drive back to it. And the flood wall was there. I guess uh, when they build the flood walls? I think they built the flood wall in '46. Hmm. I think because they built them because of the '37 flood, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a one of those things where they had to sell bonds or something to accumulate the money yeah. to build it. So it took. By the time they put New Albany back together from the flood, and then started saying we got to. Permit. Make sure that don't ever happen again. Yeah. So they started uh, collecting up. And then, of course, the war come along. Got in the way of the yeah. projects <laughs> at home. Yeah. Had to fund the yeah. the war. But Buddy Cook and I, we did everything together. We went, uh, you know, I went to Providence, and he went to New Albany. But as soon as school was out, we was together. And together all summer. Uh, What'd y'all do? Oh, uh, fiddle with the car, ride a bicycle, go fishing in a creek, Silver Creek, and there's, there's plenty to do. Uh, and then uh, we met Clem, like that, playing water up there to Dog Track. Uh, uh, Bill and Pat Galligan. Was about that age that lived up there as a boy up there by the name of Perry Rhodes, that was my age. Hmm. And the Habermill family lived up there. Hmm. Uh, and there was Freddie and Dickie and Tommy and Jimmy and Bub. And I don't know what Bub, I think his name was William. Hmm. But you know, where Gutford Road turns real hard there. 
right where Armstrong Bend is. Yeah. As soon as you make that turn and go a couple hundred yards, there's a real big bluff there. And Bubba ran his bicycle off of that off that bluff, killed himself one yeah, that one summer. Just probably just jacking around. It wasn't a, he didn't try, it, but yeah. he just was. Oh yeah, there's. It might he also have been wasn't a, trying to ride down the bluff. It was a gravel road. Then, so, uh, uh, could have lost control. Yeah, bikes weren't made for gravel roads. Yeah, yes. Uh, but there's. After I got to riding around up there, I found out there was a lot of kids around up there. And Larry Doherty lived up there. There was a boy by the name of Donnie Andrews lived next door to Larry. I know a guy named Larry Doherty now. Yeah, uh, Larry's boy's name is Brent, I think. Huh. Uh, Donnie Andrews lived uh, next door to uh, Larry. And he caught polio back during that polio scare. Yeah. And they took him to someplace out west where there was a polio uh, clinic or something. Yeah. And he was out there about a year. And all of a sudden around the neighborhood, there they, their house faced the highway right there. Before you get to Walgreens, there's yeah. three or four houses there in a row. There's a banker now, I think. Yeah. And had a, they had a front porch, just an open porch on the front of the house. And they closed that porch in and put a big wind in it. Huh. And then a rumor come flying around, Donnie's coming home. And he come home in an iron lung. Oh, really? And I remember... I guess it was me and Bud, maybe Larry Doherty. We couldn't wait for Larry Donnie to get home. And uh, somebody said, yo, Donnie's home, let's go see him. And went in that room, he's in that guy during iron lung, terrible thing. And it was, <gasps> and he had a mirror up here like this where he lay on his back. And, and he could look out the end yeah, of it? Look, yeah, this way. And I don't know whatever happened to him. After that. Yeah. I'll bet Chris Whittyhill, he had polio about the same time. And he went out west, and he come back walking on crutches, but he was walking. And he still walked, got a bad leg, but he, gets, he had a pretty good life. But that was a big scare back then. You know, you'd be walking down the street with your mom or dad, and they'd yell at you, don't step in that puddle, you know, you'll catch polio. Really? It was before sock vaccine, I think it was, that knocked polio plum off the yeah. out of the country. But How did you really thing. why why the mud puddle? Is it was there what it I don't know whether it come from the waterborne hmm. or where it was. But it's one of them things that, boy, is one of them things you stayed out of the gutter and don't walk in that puddle. And, huh. uh, I remember when we had that camp out there, Silver Creek. Uh, there's a few years out there, don't go in that creek. Hmm. And you know, that was the biggest reason to have it out right, there. Right, yeah, yeah. That's the same. Uh, uh, we had a dock you could dive off of and yep. had a canoe to paddle up and down the creek in. Telling the boy don't step in the mud puddle is a <laughs> losing battle. 
I was like, hold on, I don't, I, I'm gonna step in every mud puddle I can find. <laughs> but there's a good times up there. And what did you say was, was that was there a pool to go to too? I Back think then? the swimming pools closed during that during scare got so bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, There's just a couple years spelling, and it just they couldn't do anything about it. Next thing you know, they come up with that vaccine and knocked it in the creek. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how long a span that was. Well, you was getting to 14 and that kind of age. Was you, Did you have any jobs? Uh, there was guys farmed up there. And work for those guys. You're mostly driver tractor. Uh-huh. Uh, you pull a hay rake or uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. Hay wagon. But there was a couple pretty big farms up up there. Hmm. On both sides of uh, Blackson Mill Road, up where Blackson Heights and the Bowen Alley and all that yep. is up there. Uh, that was all farmland, and I'm big time farmland. Where the about where the auto zone is was a Oliver tractor dealer. Hmm. Uh, people's name was Anderson. They had a couple of boys of my age, and they had that Oliver dealership, and then they lived up the field there from just up the hill from the Oliver dealership and they had a big dairy farm. Oh really? Pretty good side of dairy hmm. farm, yeah. And I don't remember what year it was. Uh they uh sold the whole shooting match there at the where the Oliver dealership was and the farm and they moved to Princeton, Kentucky, hmm. and bought a John Deere dealership. Huh. Uh, Jimmy Anderson was his the boy was my age. Uh, and I, I seemed like Dickie Havermill and I went down there once when we got driving age to see him, but other than that, I never saw him again. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, but there was a lot of farming going on back then, and there wasn't anybody on that highway. Uh, you know, you could ride your, uh, there was a hatchery up the road there past the, where the dog track was, uh, and if you went all the way up to where, I guess, River Falls Mall is, uh, was a great big junkyard. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And then, um, what the heck was a, a chemical company bought that a lot? Uh, there were big lots and all that is. Can't think of the name of it. But they come here from New Jersey. Some of the guys that come with them that had kids my age. Mm. They built a chemical factory? Yeah, yeah. Can't think what the, the at one time one of the last things they did there was made dry ice. Hmm. Then a sports drone was built up there in forty seven, I think. Wow. 
they had a midget racetrack, dirt track, down Carden Pike. And he used to race midgets down there. And that Kohler boy, he, he raced. He was a pretty competitive guy in that huh. midget racing. His car... Were they more enclosed, like your no. little thing, or were they pipe buggies almost like today's midgets are? They look just like that little car up there. Yeah, but it's kind of enclosed. I mean, the, the cab isn't, but it's yeah. got sheet metal all around the hood and stuff like that, yeah. where like a midget racer today is almost a pipe buggy. You know, yeah. They hardly got any sheet metal right. on it. Yeah. Yeah, they all look like that. They all had that back end Yeah. where the headrest back here. Yeah. And you well, stuck up out of the yeah. open cab? So, yeah. And they had all kinds of motors. His Ford come out, you know, they come out that V8 Ford in 32. And I don't remember what it was think. It was like a 65 horsepower or something. Yeah. Then it got a little bit bigger and a little bigger. Uh, and about the time it was an 85 horsepower motor was... Right before the war, maybe 39, hmm. they come out with a scaled down, looked just exactly like the regular V8, but it was, it was still a V8. And instead of having heads this long, it had heads this long. Hmm. And there was a, it was a 60, they called it. And uh didn't go over because everybody, you know, the, Everybody wanted a few more horsepower. Yeah. You know, they was backing up. And the only people that liked it was guys that had race boats or race cars because it didn't weigh a heck of yeah, a lot. Yeah, weight savings. You could stuff it in a in a little car. Yeah. But that's what Kohler's had a, a 60 in their, in their race car. But there's a bunch of guys in New Albany that raced them midget cars. Hmm. And at one time, there was a bunch of guys in New Albany that raced hydroplane airplanes. Boats? Yeah. You said airplanes. Airplane. Hydroplane boats. Boats. Yeah. Uh, I, when I was little, I remember going to Clem's, and I don't know what kind of race boat was in his garage, but he had some kind of race boat with the Clem's? Yeah, Clem. Yeah, yeah he built that. Him and Larry Burke, uh, Burke built that hull. It was a kit they bought from California. I think it was Glen L Boats, and they built that, and... And, then, and I helped him put a Hemi Chrysler in it. It it would fly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I only drove it in races one time. We took it to a place. Clem took it to races a lot. Uh, and I drove it a lot on the river. But I went with him to, I think it was Dayton. Had a thing they called the Hydro Bowl. Hmm. It was just made for drag racing. And I drove it up there at 104 mile an hour. Wow. And that's scary riding a boat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, can, I still remember he had uh, tennis balls in them so yeah. the dust wouldn't go down. The, yeah. And uh, and once in a while he'd fire that up out there in that garage, man. And I yeah. remember you couldn't, I'm, you couldn't even be in there with it. Uh, it, it was, was so loud. loud. Yeah. Uh, when you had it in a river, in the water, the exhaust come out underground, yeah, under the water. Yeah. So it really wasn't that terrible loud when it was in the water. But yeah. boy, out. sitting out on the trailer running, it, it, you know, he had it up there at Lincoln Heights. Uh, 
when when he's still in well it's right his dad died like 58 I guess hmm. and Clem graduated from high school in 59 and it was shortly after that him and Larry decided he was going to build that boat hmm. and it was probably a real early 60s when he built it it was, it was quite a boat so a lot of people race boats too, huh? Racing yeah. was a big period. Yeah, car racing and dog. Yeah. Ra- well, the dog. Yeah, was there, we did. The, the Clem never did it. He built. He built a hot rod. Uh, of a Model T Roadster. Hmm. Had a big Ford motor in it. Uh, I remember his daddy bought him a Model A coupe, long time before he was driving age, hmm. and me or Bub would drive it. We drove it full. We driving age. We go act like we had driver's license, and we go all over in that Model A. I bought my car, that thirty-two Ford, the one I got pictures of upstairs. Yeah, I bought it in '54, uh, and I I wasn't driving in '50. I I don't know if I was driving. No, because I didn't get my license till. That uh, mean you was seventeen. Uh, in fifty four, I would have been seventeen in November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was riding my bike up and Jeff going up to see kids up there, uh, and I went past this Texaco station on Spring Street, and there sat that thirty two Ford, and it was. Brown, tan looking, uh, with black fenders. Yeah. And I saw that and I rode my bicycle back around doing it and I was looking at it. And a guy working in a fill station come out and, What do you want, kid? And I said, well, I was just looking at this car. Uh, ain't for sale, is it? And they said, Well, it belongs to Mr. Chin and everything he has is for sale. Is for sale. And I said, well, is he here? And he said, no, but he'll be here at 5. And I said, well, me too. So I went up messing around, and on my way home, I stopped in there, and there was Mr. Chin. And I said, is this car for sale? And he said, well, yeah, but you can't afford it, kid. And I said, well, I don't know. I kind of like it. And he said, well, take $150 back. And I said, well, you just hold on. I'll be back. I went home, got my shoebox, <laughs> and come up with $150. And I got Bobby Williamson and Park Moscow, I think, drove me up there. One of them drove it. Back. Drove us all back, yeah. And I kept it over at Williamson's filling station there for a long time because I was afraid to take it home and show it to Dad. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and I had so there wasn't any like registration and stuff on cars back then. It, yeah, it was. Yeah, because would you? Yeah, just sign a title. Sign a title, but not like go down and register it. And no, all that business. Uh, you did when you bought a license for it. Right? Yeah, but I kept it over there, and it had wire wheels on it, and it had like brown and black, and sanded it down and sprayed it with primer. And put regular Ford wheels on it, and up and painted the white walls. Oh, really? <laughs> painted the rubber tires? Yeah, yeah. You jack them up, and 
<laughs> turn a wheel and oh, just paint. Uh, white wall paint. Oh, really? Yeah, you go go to one of uh, parts stores, or get you a can of white wall paint. Huh. Kind of funny about tires. Originally, rubber tires were all white because the rubber was white. Huh. And then they started putting carbon in them to make them tougher, I guess. Huh. And then they were all black. And then it took till probably the 50s before there were white wall tires again. Hmm. <laughs> but everybody painted their tires. Yeah, that's what you did what on you Saturday did. afternoon, yeah. get your tires all painted up. I guess you had to touch them up and stuff, too? Yeah. You, so you'd have to paint them on a semi-regular basis? Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of rubbery paint. Looked like the rest of the tar. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, What'd uh, you do? What? How did? You, was that like just from working at the farms and stuff that you'd made yeah, the money? Yeah. And I worked at the filling station over at Williamson's. Ristler's had a. There was a guy here in town named Ristler that had half a dozen filling stations, and you can kind of see them. There's one on Carden Pike. It ain't there anymore, but it's a stone building before you make the turn to go yeah. to the boat or this way. Yeah, fireworks place across the street now, I yeah. think, or maybe a Thornton's now. I yeah. don't well, Maybe both. I always wondered about that old building. Yeah. Well, Mr. Rissler had four or five of them filling stations around. They all had... There was one there, Beachwood, or not Beachwood, Grantline Road and Daisy Lane. Mm. There was a stone house up there, it looks like that. Yeah. Well, it used to be a filling station down there, it looked like, and that was Rister's. He had one on State Street. But he married Sonny Thornton's mom and then adopted Thornton, the Thornton Hall guy. Wow. Because in the high school annual, Jim Thornton's name was Jim Rissler. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Huh. But yeah, I don't know whatever happened to But Ristler had a filling station up there. You know, Emory Lane used to turn off of the highway where the filling station is. What they call that highway? Uh, back then, it was 31 and 62. Because they all used the same yeah. one. The, and 31 just kept on going north like yeah, it does today. Yeah. Yeah. And 62 went, went straight on up past the bat factory and up that way. Yeah. And went to. Uh, Where it goes now, Madison and Hanover and. Yeah, it goes to. All the way up through there. Yeah. Goes to, I think it goes to Madison up that way. It goes through. It goes. 62 goes to that. What's the place where they had some muzzle loading? Friendship. Friendship. It goes through Friendship. Curled Ranch, real crooked road. Yeah. Uh, but but you worked in Ristler that had a filling station on this side of Emory Lane, and I worked there for Mr. Ristler for a little short time, and Williamson built that Texaco station across the road. Well. Ristler, if you brought your car in there to get the all change at Ristler's, he had a little rack made up about this high out of cross ties Yeah. that you drive your car up on, right. and then you had to get down in a mud puddle and drain the oil out of it. 
And when Claude Williamson built a, a station across the road, he had a hydraulic lift. Yeah. It was outside, but it was a hydraulic lift. You raise it all the way up and walk under it. Yeah. And I got to know Bobby there across the road. Yeah. So I went to work for him, left Mr. Ristler in the, in the lurch for help. <laughs> I think he only he had two two pumps at that Ristler station. It wasn't probably as big as this dining room, about like this, the building. Yeah. Yeah. Almost just like a booth. Yeah. To yeah. be in when. Yeah, it had a front door and a couple windows. Yeah. And I had shelves on a wall where they had oil and other inner tubes and that stuff. <laughs> but when Williamson built that over there, uh, it was closer to being a filling station. He had four pumps and a hydraulic lift and uh, had a soft drink machine and a cigarette machine. And yeah. And it was just for that kind of stuff. It wasn't like a service station where they really worked on cars. Yeah. They did work on them, too. Yeah. So more like a service station yeah. where you could yeah. get yeah. full when service. Yeah, I worked over at Ristler's, uh, yeah, I was forever putting points and plugs and condensers in a car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the things back in we even had a spark plug cleaning machine yeah. it was a, had an air hose run to it yeah. and you stuck spark plug down through a little rubber gasket kind of looking thing push a button and sandblast a oh, really? spark plug yeah and put it back in somebody get another 5,000 miles out of them and then had to uh, I guess I'll have to have new plugs this time <laughs> I worked on a lot of cars over, you know, uh, front wheel bearings, a mm. lot of them. Hmm. Everything, well, cars in were pretty elementary mechanical yeah. devices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is, you didn't have to know near as much you got to know now. Uh, no, and it didn't. Uh, it didn't take long to learn everything it was about a yeah, car. Right, yeah, you could do you everything. Know, uh, them guys that uh, back is hot rodding and they'd tear a transmission up. I could redo a transmission or change a transmission them, have it for them in the morning. Really? Yeah. And do it laying on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody had, I don't know, Bud had them forwards and he had that Model A. And somehow, he traded it for a, a 32 Ford two-door sedan. Hmm. And he still wasn't old enough to drive. I remember he took the fenders off of it, throwed them away. And when I bought that 32 Ford, uh, we, uh, we drag raced it. And then I finally, I tore it down after I had it a year or so. Took it completely apart, every nut and bolt and screw out of it, huh. and put an Oldsmobile motor and automatic transmission in it, and put it all back together. And it, uh, Bud had turned his sedan into a drag car. He put a Ford uh, overhead valve 54 or 55 motor in it, 
And I made a trailer hitch on the back of my coupe, and we pulled that sedan that he raced, pulled it to drag strips. And one Sunday or weekend, him and Clem took my coupe and pulled the car to the drag strip. I think they used to race in the old airstrips around, hmm. have drag races. And before there was IRP, there was um, Freeman Field in uh-huh. Indianapolis. Indianapolis Raceway Park? Yeah. And that's where the big drag races right. were. And uh, they pulled that, uh, pulled that sedan up there and raced. And they was coming home down 31, and they got that intersection there, Seymour. And went through that intersection, a guy pulled out and hit the sedan and spun everything around. It didn't have nothing come disconnected. Really? Yeah. And had the cops there and all that. And So it hit the car that was being towed. Yeah. And it, <laughs> the old man that was driving the car towed the state police, he said, well, Whoever was driving that car there was following too close. But it didn't hurt either one of them cars. I remember it, um, I think we had put a new rear end under that sedan where it hit it in the wheel. Yeah. But the trailer hitch and all that stuff stayed. Hung together. Stayed connected, yeah. And I had that coupe till. Uh, I went in the Air Force, and Bud and I, and Spank Bensing, I don't know, four or five of us, there was a carriage house down behind the Culberson Mansion, mm-hmm. and we leased that cover, that carriage house. And For a shop. We must have had six, seven cars in it. Really? And I kept my coupe in there, because I had other cars to drive while I had that coupe. And I went off to service. And when? 59? In 1960. In 60. Uh-huh. Okay. First to 60, right? I guess it was January. Okay. And I went off to the Air Force and got a letter from Mom, and she said, Buddy just called me and told me you got to get the car. He lost the lease on the Culberson or on that. It belonged to the American Legion mm. back then. And we was leasing it from American Legion. And lost the lease and got to get her car out of there. So I called her up and I said, well, ask Bud, get a hold of him and see if he can find someplace to take my car. So she called him and he said, well, uh, I, I got two cars I got to find places for. And he said, I don't think I can find a place for Tim's car. Hmm. So she... Wrote me a letter and told me that. And so I wrote her back and I said, Well, call Jippy Harmon. Here's his telephone number. Tell him you want $1,200 for that car to sell it. So off it went. To Jippy uh, Harmon, huh? Uh-huh. And Jippy, before I got home from her service, which is just a year, he had, his family moved to Memphis, Tennessee, and he drove a car down there, 
and neighbors were burning leaves in the gutter and burn it up. Burned it up. I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing that it got burned up. Yeah. Uh, it was quite a car. If I had that car today, it'd probably be worth hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. But it was really open. And back then, when now when you build a hot rod, you get on that computer, you know, and say, "Well, I need this kind of axle for the front end. I need where to make that stuff. Mm. We'll get the welding torches out." Make parts. They made parts for them. Wow. Uh, that car had a... And different kind of welding back in. Welding in, if you think uh, about well, welding today. Bob Keithy had a, had a shop. I think it says TS, TS something. All right, when you go through the flood wall uh-huh. on the right, Bob Keithy had a business called metal stamping service and he made stuff for ford and he made stuff for ge and he made stuff for gunnison ohms brackets and stuff was stamping machines mm-hmm. you know things you hit the pedal and a blam kicks out apart and he he had uh he had people working there 24 hours a day for a whole bunch of when we moved up or it was running you could hear them uh punch presses blam blam all night long over and i don't know whether he made enough money to where he started coasting or whether somebody was doing it better cheaper or whatever but all of a sudden he wasn't working for ge and ford anymore he'd have a little piddling job where he'd make ten thousand of these or five thousand of these you know just little brackets of some kind yeah and uh the guys uh that raced the hydroplanes they hung around he had three or four buddies that had them things and they hung around over at his place and he'd make parts for them then it was just a walk from home right and I got to know him from coming in the filling station when I was working there he'd come in there and buy cigarettes every day and uh, and he started getting me to work after he had shut down most of his production yeah uh, if you got a couple hours I could sure use you and I'd go in there and push the pedal on a damn Machine. punch press uh, for a couple hours had a counter on it and when I got 2,000 of them made I could go home yeah. uh, and I'd lock up walk across the flood wall and go home uh-huh. but uh, he taught me how to electric weld and how to settle him weld and, oh. uh, a little bit about machining enough to when I went to high school I wanted to go to a machine shop but he was a real machinist. He could make a clock, I think, if you ask him to. He right. was a, he's a wizard. I don't, he never married. He was in World War II. Hmm. And he had that business. And uh, supposedly, when he died, he had a truck full of money. Uh, once a year, he'd lock a shop up. And put a sign on the front door that said, Gone hunting. Oh, really? And he'd get on a train and pack his stuff, his rifle, and uh, had gear. a duffel bag like you get in the Army. Yeah. And he'd catch a train up into Canada, 
and the train had laid him off when he got to a river up there that he, where he wanted to stop, get off there, go over the hill, get in a boat that he had laying on the bank. Head across the lake. Go up, go up a river, go hunting, and he killed moose or whatever, and come back home same way. Huh. <laughs> Did he bring it home with him? Yeah. Yeah. Because there wasn't really nothing to hunt here to speak of, was there? Small wasn't game. What? Wasn't anything to hunt here. Wasn't small deer, game. Uh, no, you would rabbits? never saw. Uh, there was rabbit hunting, pretty good rabbit hunting, bird hunting, but. Heck, I don't. I. It was probably in the seventies before I ever seen a Canada goose that mm. wasn't five thousand foot up in the air. Yeah. Uh, and because the ducks were. Yeah, Grandpa, Mom's stepfather lived in Frenchtown. Down there close to Blue River. Yeah. He died in 57. What was his name? Huh? What was his name? Tucker. Tucker. Uh, Theodore Henriot. He died in 57. He'd never seen a deer. Yeah. In his life. He lived down there all his life. Now, he wasn't, you called him, what, what, what? Everybody called him Tucker. What was he relation to you? He was mom's stepfather. Mom's stepfather, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I thought there was a step in there. Yeah, he was Agnes and Norman's father. Okay. I don't... I don't know when... I don't know when Agnes or Norman was born, to tell you mm. the truth. But anyhow, he was their dad. Yeah. Mom's dad, dad... I guess after she was born, I suppose. And her mother died in 47. Wow. Uh, she had some kind of cancer, I suppose, because we would go there on a weekend, and it was a trip then to get to Frenchtown. Yeah. Well, you've and, talked about at some point riding a train out there. Yeah. And then did yeah, you say? I, did that you was say, after Grandma. Well, no, Grandma was alive then. Uh, but mom would put me on the southern down there, down from towards the river from Smith Furniture Company was the depot. Yeah. And get on train there and, and go. send you up there by yourself. Yeah. And then uh, you'd stay for I, a little I bit. I think mom, I think Sue went with me one time. Mom. How old do you think you were then? Huh? How old do you think you were? Probably 10. Yeah. Maybe. And you stay there a little while, right? Yeah, we stayed there a couple of weeks or yeah. maybe three weeks, something. Yeah. And most of the time, Neil would be there uh, and Patricia. Yeah, they'd be there. Yeah. Uh, but What did you do when you were there? What would you all do when you were there? Oh, we'd go over to Blue River and splice around the water and some act like we was fishing. Yeah, act like Climb around fishing. in the barn or... Just kid around or wasn't yeah. just... Didn't do anything. Grandpa never did farm. He had a horse and a cow. Uh, uh, he never did farm, and I know of. Do you know what he did? Uh, I don't have any idea how he made a living. Yeah. Or 
he made a cross tower of three every once in a while. Yeah, and that would ain't haul much it. of a living. Huh? <laughs> I said, that ain't much of a living. Uh, he'd haul it to uh, uh, Depot and sell it down there to railroad. Uh, but he didn't like anybody to know that because he didn't ever want to be known as a tie hacker. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know how... He got that farm. He had the original land grant on it. It was a title like. Oh, really? Of course, it wasn't his. It was Grandpa Celestian's. Hmm. Which would have been. Uh, he's a Simon. Uh, so he married into the farm. Uh, he had a garden all the time, a big garden. And he did the smoking for, they'd have get-together, everybody in that community that they called Little St. Louis. Yep. And they'd slaughter some hogs, and they'd all get together and do the scraping and gutting and cutting up and that. And he had a smokehouse, and mm-hmm. he had a, a reputation of being the meat smoker. Oh, really? So he smoked the ham and the bacon and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. They're on his place. And if he smoked the meat, he got some of it. And uh, yeah. I suppose they probably traded stuff from his garden to somebody. Yeah. You know, I'll give you a basket full of tomatoes for some corn or something. Yeah, because you really I, didn't need all that much money. I, you had to eat and you had he, to do certain things, but money... Uh, the, if you got if you were getting vegetables, if you were getting food, that he, took a big. He had a telephone on a wall that you cranked. Oh, did he? Didn't have electricity or didn't have run water. Had a spring out there. You had to walk out and get a bucket of water every morning for drinking water or yeah. make a pot of coffee out of. Uh and I'll be darned if I know where he got any money. I can remember being there when there was a. Used to be a guy come around in an old car was a Raleigh man that sold Raleigh salve and Raleigh brushes and that huh. kind of thing. Huh. And he'd come up a driveway in a car up there, and, and I suppose uh, Tucker would buy seventy-five cents worth or fifty cents worth of stuff from him. Hmm. But he wandered around the countryside selling that stuff. Uh, but I'll be darned if I know where he got his money. Yeah. Because he never worked, and he never had a crop that he sold that I know of. Yeah. He never huh? bartering and swapping and yeah. just general. And uh, I don't think uh, Mom's dad, uh, I I know he didn't, never had an occupation. Hmm. I that's interesting. The people next door was quite a walk. The people's name was Nolot. And Mr. Nolot worked for Graf Auto. He hmm. come to town here every day and worked on cars. Oh, really? That's a heck of a trip to work back yeah. then. Yeah, because it was a trip to get there. Yeah. I mean, hell. I remember when, and I don't remember who Joe Lewis was fighting, but I was down there at Tucker's. And Neil was there, and it was somebody come from No Lots, and said, hey, we're going to have the prize fight on tonight. And he had brought a car radio and a car battery. 
and we sat in the yard listening to Joe Lewis fight somebody on a car radio. <laughs> and so that was that was what the fight was on. Yeah. Was a car radio sitting out in the yeah. yard. Yeah, wasn't no television there. Yeah. And huh. very few people had a radio then. Really? You know, cars, very few cars had a radio. Huh. But he brought a radio and a battery from a dealership and hooked them up. And listened to the and fight. Everybody that lived around there. Uncle Henry might have lived there at the time. He lived down the road for a while. But the Briscoes lived there, and I know lots, and and a little old man named Petey Washy uh, had a little farm down there, mm. and it was close enough walking distance. Yeah. I think most of them had 60 acres or something like that. And they all went there to the same church uh, where mom did. Yeah. And you know, when uh, people her age talked about, you know, walking to school every day and that, uh, by golly, she did it. Yeah. Yep. That, I, she, that school that just did not, it was, it was there just to not too long ago, and somebody's built a house there, I think. Yep. But I know one time we drove that because Grandma wanted to say, this is how I walked to school. We started out where she lived, and we drove the car to yeah. the school, and yeah. it felt like a long way in a car. <laughs> I, you know, I'd, I'd like to go back there sometime and see how far it was. And then when she got out of grade school, got out of the eighth grade, she went to DePaul High School, which was across 64 and up the hill or towards Alfred's. Huh. You know, it was twice as far. Yeah. Maybe even farther than that. Hmm. And according to Agnes, she made everybody go to school. Yeah, you know, it's one of them things that she got everybody up. Uh, I don't, I guess. I guess that Alfred would have been the next one closest to Mom's age, and then Henry would have been older, and and then she had a sister that lived in uh, Chicago, hmm. Walter Lorraine. I think Lorraine was next, and then. Ain't Bernadine that lived in Paoli? I think she was the oldest one. And then Norman was the youngest. Hmm. But those kids, they, you know, when, uh, when Alfred got out of high school, he joined the Navy, and that would have been World War One Navy. Oh, wow, yeah. Hmm. And Norman, when he got out of high school, uh, he joined the CC, that Civilian yeah. Conservation Club or CCC Corps or whatever yeah. it was. Corps, I think. Yeah. And I think he was only 15, 16 years old when he did that. Really? And as soon as he got old enough to get in the Army, he got out of that CCC thing and into the Army. Mm-hmm. And he come home from the army 
I don't know, 46 or sometime like that. Was he, and was, was he married. World, he, and, was in world War, he was he in World War Two? Huh? Was he in World War Two? Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, some kind of engineer thing. Did know. they draft then, too? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you couldn't dodge being in World War Two. Yeah, that's what I that's what Yeah. Well, that draft was still going on when I was. That's what I did to drive, dodge the draft to join the join it. Air Force Volunteer. Reserve. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Jim Emmer and I both uh, joined the same time. Hmm. And now where's Jim at age-wise with you? Huh? How? Where's Jim age-wise with you? He's two years younger than I am. Okay. I don't know. We just got to be friends. I don't know. Yeah, I was looking at the age difference. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. most of the time... Most I had some that were outside, but most of the time when I had friends, they were same age as me. Yeah, said you was going to school with them and you was in yeah. class with them, and then that was yeah, awful lot. You know, Bud was awful close to my age. He's probably maybe six months younger than me, but he graduated a year after I did. Mm. Uh, but uh, and you graduated in '55. Yeah, and but. Most of the guys I remember, and I don't know, I guess it was my personality or my makeup somehow, I run around with younger guys. Hmm. I don't have any idea why. But uh, probably if I if probably. I if I weighed up, somebody said, Who's your best friend? Other than you would be Clem. Mm-hmm. And I worked for his daddy. Yeah. He was in the plaster business. I worked for him uh, till he died. I was working on uh, Baptist Hospital when he died uh, over in Louisville. Yeah. And, uh, and then I worked until I went into service. And then when I come back, I worked a couple more years in that union. Uh, you just, uh, you know, you kept your dues paid up when they needed somebody. They'd call you and say, be here or there, go yeah. to work. When you were little, do you, Grant, your mom, do you, was, did she work? Yeah, mom worked a lot. Uh, probably, I don't remember her working when we lived on Beeler Street, but shortly after we went, moved to McCall Pike, uh, she started working. Uh, she w- worked. She, w- when her dad got married, she worked in the First Federal Savings and Loan Association hmm. for uh, Ed Tass started at First Federal Savings, and she it was Ed Tass and her. She was a secretary and. Uh, she worked for him until I guess she started having kids, and then she quit. Do you know when they got married? I think they got married, and Bernie says they got married uh, less than six months before he was born. But I'm pretty sure they got married sometime like in 27. 
Grandma was born in 1905, right? Uh, Mom was born in 06. 06. Yeah. Okay, I thought it was And I five. think Dad was born in 08. Mm-hmm. I'd have to look it up. But I think he's born in 08. Yeah. So she was working when you were growing up, like running around kid age, when you were off on bikes and yeah. doing that. She oh, had yeah. a job and was working. Yeah. I... You know, my what, frame of mind, of course, I didn't see her till she was way older, but, you know, it looked like she had been a yeah. homemaker all her life, you know, because... Uh, <laughs> well, uh, she was a terrific bookkeeper. She worked for uh, several years. She worked at the Lucas Tobacco Warehouse, you know, when they had their tobacco sales. Yep. She was a bookkeeper there for a bunch of years. And she worked for typewriter terminal. Uh, people so, sold business machines and stuff yeah. in New Orleans. Grandma she, was a little bit older than Grandpa. Huh? Grandma was a couple years older than Grandpa. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he was born in 08. Probably do some digging. I, I know it's yeah. hard to... Uh, some of that stuff I feel like I should have some notes on and remember. Yeah. Uh, I've done a bad job of keeping track of it. Uh, yeah. And then Grandpa was an electrician. Huh? Yeah. And that's what he did? When I, my earliest memories of him, he worked in a hardware store down on Main Street. Oh, really? In New Albany. Huh. And I remember when he left that hardware store and joined a union, electric electrician's union. Uh-huh. And then he worked... Uh, I suppose around night, someplace in the early 40s when they were building the ammunition plant. Yeah. He worked all the way through that up there. Yeah, I remember hearing that. I feel like uh, he was still working when I was born. I feel like when I was a little kid. He worked, he worked a long time. Uh, that old station. I think he worked till he's 72. So whenever that would have been. Huh. I can never do that math very good. Cause he, he had a real cushy job up at the boat works. That's what I remember. Yeah. It said that that'd be that'd be 1980 or so. Yeah. Because so. yeah, he it was such an easy job. He wired the controls and the, uh, instruments and stuff in that boat. You know, all the little bitty wire stuff. Yeah. Were, well, he had it, like a Zippo lighter that was ACBL. Yeah. In the, yeah. I couldn't remember, but I do remember him working, and I remember, I have some recollections of being up there for whatever reason. Yeah. I don't know why, but I'd be up there for the day. And uh, and I remember spending the night there quite a bit, too. Yeah. Um, and Grandpa coming home from work. Yeah. Yeah, he worked a long time. He liked what he did, and it was awful good money, and uh, you know, for a working guy. Yeah. And it was it was an easy job for him. You know, it was one of the things that wasn't wasn't pulling big wire yeah. or and he wasn't climbing, climbing, he wasn't coming home dirty. Yeah, uh, wasn't climbing no telephone poles or nothing. He he was uh, working around in that pilot house of them boats. Yeah, was he pretty handy with stuff too? Yeah, yeah. He and most guys that were then, right? I mean, most people you had to be handy because well, you know, I don't know why, but there's one. Uh, uh, our neighbors worked. Worked? Uh-uh. Yeah. But 
our house, you know, if it needed painting, we painted it. And if it needed shingles, we shingled it. And I remember, I don't remember how old I was, but it was always at our house between mom and dad and Sue and Marilyn. Bathroom was already always occupied. Yeah. And I told dad once, I said, if you'd get some concrete blocks, I'll build a shower in the basement. Me and you can take a shower down there. And he said, you think you can do that? And I said, yeah, you and I told him how many blocks. I don't know if you ever seen that yeah, little shower in the yep. corner. I remember it. Uh, didn't take a whole lot. I think it was just two walls. Maybe it was just one wall. Yeah, I think it was just one because it was in the corner. Yeah. There already two walls there, and you just walked yeah. in there. Uh, and I told him, this is how many blocks we need. And uh, he throwed that stuff out there by that cellar door. And said, go to it. Yeah. So I, I built that, and he and I run the pipes over to it and put a shower over. So then you all could from take then a shower. On, I took, he and I both took a shower in the basement. And then I wasn't long out of high school when I built that upstairs in, in that house. And it was just an attic before then? Yeah. Did it have stairs? Yeah. It had stairs, but it yeah. was still just attic yeah. space? I sure remember that house real well. I remember the, I, I could I could draw house plans of it, uh, and it was always real. I don't know. It was it was always a real warm house. Every it was always a good place to be. You yeah, know? it was homey. Yeah, yeah. And I learned. I, I felt that's where you know today. You know my I listen to books now. My app at the end of 2022, it said I read 64 books last year. Really? 64. And I, there's a couple of them I didn't finish, so I'll say 60. Yeah. There's a couple of them. And that's a hell of a lot of reading. Awesome. But I remember I remember falling in love with reading in yeah. that attic, grabbing Is that Grandpa's right? Louis Lamore books. Yeah. Well, you know, and I still uh, got I got every one of those books that were up there, uh, Louis Lamore books that oh, Grandpa that had. Right? I have them all in that bookshelf yeah. right in there. Uh, I, I don't remember what year that was, but I'm... Uh, I decided we needed upstairs up there. Need more space. So uh, I measured up for the windows, and I went down Day Lumber Company and bought them. And I got Dickie Herrnell. He and I did the drywalling in it. And uh, and he and I run all Dick and I run all electricity around in it. So y'all cut the dormers in and stuff? Uh, no, the dormers was there. All but we just didn't have no the windows in them. And put that bathroom in. I had almost, well, you said something about the bathroom the other day, and that's something I had to go, I had to go back in my memory banks for. Yeah, the bathroom. Uh, I, I remember the bathroom now, but it, it took me a minute. I had to jog my memory. Uh, the people we bought the house from had just put the bathroom in that house. It had an outhouse out back. Mm. And they just put the bathroom in. And it was one of them things that they had got a used bathtub from somebody and a used wall-hung lavatory and a used toilet. You know, supposedly it was all brand new, but it had been well used. 
up there, and you could tell it was well used. And there wasn't any shower, it was just a bathtub. Right. And it was a little bitty room. I don't know what it was. It was right off the kitchen. Their their main bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, it's the littlest damn bathroom I think I've ever seen still. Yeah. It was yeah. like between the edge of the tub and the door, it was like a three-by-three three or yeah. something yeah, like you, that. You put on your clothes standing in there, you was hitting the wall with your elbows. Yep. And I built that run upstairs, and it had a shower in it. It wasn't a heck of a lot bigger. No. But there was room in there to shave and shower. Where did you, where was your room in that house? Well, after I built upstairs, it was that little bedroom, little bedroom off, off the up upstairs. But before that, that room that stuck out the side was where I slept. Summertime, slept on that screen porch. Really? Yeah. Out front? Yeah. Wasn't no uh, air conditioning. Yeah. I still remember, uh, I can remember them still getting cold delivered when I was a kid. Yeah. That old black guy come in there, and he's every bit as black as the coal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I seem like I got his name at the tip of my tongue someplace, but I can't remember... I think he was Frank. I think I think I was thinking I heard Frankie. Yeah, Frank. Uh, Frank. Yeah, uh, I can't. Uh, I'll think of his last name there. But he hauled the coal and he also hauled garbage away. Mm, yep, yep. And they uh, burned. That was how that house was heated with burning coal. Yeah, it had a coal furnace. And when we moved in, it had a coal furnace that you just shoveled coal in. And Dad brought that. A uh, thing they called, uh, you know, we bought coal in lumps. Yeah. And then he bought a stoker. And the stoker had a hopper on it that you filled up with little coal like it's big three-quarter inch gravel. Yeah. And it had an auger in it, and it went into the fire. Fed it. Yeah. And it, the, the uh, stoker was on a thermostat. When the temperature in the house went down a little bit, Stoker would come on and send some coal and some air down that tube mm. and bring the flame heat up, up yeah. heat the house up, and then Stoker would turn off and... Calm back down again. Yeah. And then Dad put electric heat in there before he died. Yeah. Uh, I think he put electric heat everywhere. I can remember coal getting delivered. Yeah. But but, uh, I didn't have any kind of wherewithal to know what it was really being used for (laughs) or anything. And that's kind of like a, I don't know... uh, Saying it's a basement, it was more like a cellar. It was. Uh, that's all it was, is a cellar. Yeah. Yeah. And I spec a little bit of that, well, maybe all of it, might have been dug out before they built the house. You know, part where the washing machine and yeah. where the furnace and that coal bin was. Because... 
back where I built that char was crawl space from there to the front of the house. Yeah. Up under there. Yep. Um, what about who was it that moved in next door uncle's oh dad's brother bought that property what was his name again vernon vernon yeah i don't remember how much younger he was than dad probably five or six years where was his family from where was Grandpa's family from was they, where was, where'd he grow? Dad's up? dad uh, grew up in what he called Mooresville and Floyd Knobs. Hmm. Uh, him and Grandma both. Uh, Mom's dad's mother's name was uh, Spickert. Oh really? Like Spickert Knobs. Mm-hmm. Yep. And as far as I know, she had one brother, Will. And Grandpa had a sister and a brother that I know of. They had Uncle Frank and and Aunt Evelyn, sis. Because I remember Grandma's side of the family. I knew some of them over the years. We'd see them here and there. Yeah, we'd have them family gatherings. Yeah, and and all that. But I don't ever have any recollection of anybody... On Grandpa's side. Grandpa died on my birthday in 1967. Dad's dad. Yeah. Uh, And Grandma died shortly after that. And Vernon died probably around 1970. Yeah, I don't think I ever knew him. I don't. Yeah. I remember that, you know, he was talked about. Yeah. And that was the name of that house. Yeah. You know, yeah, Vernon's house. Yeah, well, he worked for U.S. or worked for Gunnison's before he went in the army. He got drafted, go in the army. He yeah. worked for Gunnison's, and he got in World War Two. He was on a personnel carrier, like you know, one of them truck that had dozen guys riding on it. Yeah, and it went over a landmine, blowed it up. Hmm. And he killed a whole bunch of them and broke his back. Oh, and he, he was in he was in a body cast from here to here, from his hips for to his neck, a year. Hmm. And when he got out of that, uh, he tried to go back to work. And in the meantime, Gunnison's had sold their business to U.S. Steel. And he, he went back to work, but he, he couldn't sit up. His back was shot, and so he never did work again. Hmm. But that's why he worked for Gunnison. When they'd have a truck wreck, haul one of them houses someplace, he'd buy it. Oh. And that house, that's where that house come from. Yeah. He had four or five of them in an old barn down there behind their house on Oak Street. Where they oh, really? Lived. There and he had three or four of them up there in the field. You know, it was covered up with tar paper. Oh, in flat pieces. Yeah. They ever one and every one of them black things was a house. Hmm. 
But they put, I don't remember what year it was, they built that house up there. But it's one of them things that, that when dad and mom bought that property, the people they bought it from kept the property next door. They only bought half of it. Yeah. When dad always had his mind, he's going to buy the rest of it. Well, he lingered too long. And while he was lingering, Vernon bought it. Hmm. And boy, was that a oh, really? sticky wicket. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, there's a lot of cussing going on about that. And then, and then Vernon built a house there and and talked Dad into wiring it, and that even made it worse. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh. And I don't, you know, I feel like I knew both my grandmas pretty well, but I don't ever feel like I really knew my grandpas. Yeah. They were working and busy and yeah. kind of. Oh, uh, Grandpa was, he wasn't close, he wasn't really close to his kids. Your dad. Yeah. Uh, you know, he worked and he come home, went to bed early and got up early. Yeah. And, and he's pretty gruff. And I remember the, when he was home, he was in. He was busy doing something yeah. somewhere. Uh, and yeah, he's he's one of the guys that stayed busy all the time. Runs in the family, <laughs> <laughs> and and he's pretty gruff. He's rough on Sue and Marilyn. I don't think he's rough on me by my standards, but I know he he and Sue worth a damn. Huh. Uh, but she was a little bit mouthy, and, and, and he didn't tolerate much of that. Yeah. And all I remember uh, just as far as I'm concerned, it didn't, they didn't make anybody better than Grandma. No, uh, no. She, uh, she I was never all, saw her mad. I never saw her upset. I never saw her she's impatient. All, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> and and she was an amazing person. She yeah, uh, she she's one of them people that I when we was in grade school she made all of her clothes. Yeah, uh, she made clothes and it, she cooked. It was like there wasn't nothing she couldn't do. Uh huh, and. Uh, she's a wizard with money. Yeah. Uh, she'd take a nickel and make a quarter out of it in a minute. And she ended up having a lot of money at the end, too. Yeah. For well, that for that era. When she was up there nursing home, she's there 33 months, and Donna now paid the bills out of her checkbook. And we never wrote a one for less than $6,000. Hmm. For 33 months, that's a lot of dollars. Yeah. Hey, you want to take a break or you want to keep talking? I'll just take a break. I kind of thought so. I got pee anyway. Just who they wanted 